Okay, as promised, here is part two of this week's episode of the Ty and Bob pod. On part one, we broke down the Green Bay Packers, in case you missed it. Brutal loss to the Denver Broncos. Here on part two, a lengthy discussion on the Lions loss to the Ravens. Where did things go wrong against Lamar Jackson? The Minnesota Vikings. Yes, the Minnesota Vikings are alive and well after... Shocking just about everybody with an upset win at home against the mighty San Francisco 49ers. How did they do it? What does it mean big picture? You're not going to want to miss that talk. And the Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles under Nick Sirianni, tush push and all are the toast of the NFC after beating the Miami Dolphins. And as always, you're going to get a McGinn memory as Bob, our longtime scribe, our pro football hall of fame sports writer, goes back into time with a note on James Franklin being the wide receiver coach in Green Bay once upon a time. So thank you everyone for listening, for sharing, for subscribing. That's how we keep this thing growing. Again, no ads, no sponsors, no corporate overlords. We are completely powered by you and word of mouth. So thank you so much for sharing this. I hope you enjoy. here robert let's go to the lions tyler okay yes i want to look something up here you know the lions have had a very difficult schedule and they went to baltimore sunday and tyler i'm gonna just check here okay the first time i went to that new stadium in baltimore was 2005 and that was mike sherman's final year four and twelve and they went in there, and who was the quarterback? Ba- Kyle Bowler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 48-3, to three, right? That was a beatdown. 48-3, T, you got it. Aaron Rodgers well, played a little, I think, at the end, right? Uh, Yeah. Rookie year, yeah. I thought there was another beatdown, but that was, that's the one I'm thinking about. Um, uh. Lamar Jackson against the NFC, he's 15 and one entering that game. Yeah. Wow. So the Lions got hammered. They got crushed. Tyler with 745 left in the second quarter. They had been outgained 325 to 28. Uh, Campbell said he didn't have the team prepared. It was an emotional road game against a tough team in Tampa Bay. They're coming off that. They won the thing. I mean, it's been a grind. They had just been, they'd been to Green Bay. They had been to Kansas City. People were telling them how great they were in the media over here. We were. Controlling the division. Top team, you know, Super Bowl contender, all this kind of stuff. And they really laid a, a classic egg. Um, I'm not going to go through the positions I could, but just in the interest of time, let's look at a couple things. Um, we've said a lot of great things about Aiden Hutchinson. Well, let, let's be uh, even-handed on this one, too. He's up against uh, the old uh, Redskin Washington guy, Morgan Morgan Moses. He didn't do jack against him. He had one flush early. But 
Moses is just a big body guy. Um, they ran a keeper Hutchinson's way for 11. They ran power right at him, a gain of 20. Uh, draw play underneath him for nine. He wasn't getting uh, much pressure at all. He had a rough roughing the passer penalty, tackle Jackson around the knees on third down. He was just he was just a very average guy. And uh, on this game, you'd take Gary over Hutchinson all the way. What else do I want to point out? You know, I remember coaches in my last ten years on the beat. They loved defensive linemen who sprinted downfield, who came out of the stack, so to speak. Even at the point when they're getting their butts kicked, Detroit, I couldn't believe this. They had some horrible plays against them in which guys dropped man coverage assignments and plays went for 80 yards or 42 to the fullback or something. At one point, a ball was dumped over their head, over the lineman's head, and the ball was 10 yards beyond them and heading heading south. And there's uh, Benito Jones, the 330-pound DT, and John Kaminsky absolutely sprinting from 10 yards behind. Absolutely no chance to catch this guy unless there was a some kind of a you know hold-up deal. Just sprinting. And then later, after that, um, the ball was way downfield on that ball to uh, some 80-yard pass. I can't remember who caught it. And there's McNeil, the three-tech, and Kaminsky again just sprinting. They were 70 yards downfield on that play. Uh, again, so this team, they play with fantastic effort. You do not see that with Green Bay. You see this here. You you don't almost never see that. Uh, I remember Zedaria Smith ripping him the last couple of years. He would not. The ball went by him, passed him. He would no more chase that. These Lions, they chase, even when they're getting their brains handed to them. Um what else do I want to say? Uh, okay, the rookie, uh, Jack Campbell from Iowa, first-round pick. He's starting at Sam in the base. And against power sets, he's on the line of scrimmage. Now, he played stack backer at Iowa, and that's what he has to be here. But he can't get by Anzalone, who runs the defense, or Barnes from Purdue, who's Purdue, produced. Uh, Campbell, he got burned on by Lamar Jackson on a fourth-and-one keeper on a seven-yard touchdown. He got beat by uh, Andrews on a bootleg pass, six-yard touchdown. I think he left Andrews in the flat, gained a 22. He's got some growing pains, too. You, you see him attack faster than Walker. He's got much better reactions than Walker, but he's no more. He's not, not a better player than Walker right now. He's, he's a worse player. He's got to come through. Um, what else do I want to say? Their safeties, they really miss Gardner-Johnson. Uh, Joseph and Walker were out of position. Uh, they had a terrible game. Um, all right, let's look at the offense. Let's go to the uh, ties back at right guard. He gave up a sack, a knockdown to Matt of BK. Man, I remember that guy. Third round pick in 20. He's really developed for Baltimore. That guy's a really good player, number 92. Decker, the left tackle, they had to throw the ball all day long. Decker gave up a couple sacks, one by Van Oye, one by Owe. Sewell had a bad game, the uh, highly touted right tackle, two holding penalties. Um, he had a flush in there. 
one of the bright spots was uh, Jamar Gibbs. Jamar Gibbs, uh, they lost Montgomery. They didn't have a power back, and going to Baltimore without a power back is a recipe for disaster. Gibbs, really a tough blitz pickup against Queen, the linebacker, on a, on a gain of 22, a pass. Showed really good burst. He can gear down and then speed up on a carry for eight. Showed great burst on a screen for 20. Broke a tackle by Queen. Took a quick quick flat against Queen and turned it upfield for 19. And then he scored a 20-yard touchdown on a sweep. He showed signs finally of really being a player. Ibrahim, uh, people in the Midwest will know him. The guy from uh, Minnesota who played, overcame a ma- major injury there. Uh, really had a lot of yards in the Big Ten. He comes on the field, first touch. He just got activated Sunday. First touch, gets carted off with a quad injury. Dislocated hip, I'm sorry. I think he's out for the year. He had surgery. Um, all right, let's go to uh, J- uh, Jamison Williams. He played a lot this week, Tyler, because Marvin Jones – did miss the game for personal reasons. And then yesterday he announced his retirement for family reasons. So Jameis Williams got 33 snaps. Very, very uneven, Tyler. He's kind of like an empty suit out there. He's a very good blocker, but they do not trust him, nor should they trust him, either neither Goff or Ben Johnson or Dan Campbell. Incomplete pass. He stops short on the flat, doesn't run his route to specifications. I mean, it looks like if, if something's designed to go 18 yards, I mean, he's at 15, you know. Um, I believe that to be true. Goff throws a great bomb, hits the guy in the face mask. He drops a touchdown pass. Forty-seven yarder. He runs by Rocky Asin, who really can't run anyway, never could, and he drops the ball on the one. Another long ball. He's looking over the wrong shoulder. Tyler, I don't know how Goff. Goff is so magnanimous, you know, and who's the old pro, the twenty-nine-year-old field general. He will not show anybody up. He keeps putting his arm around him and saying decent things in his pressers. He's got to be just tearing his hair out. I don't know where Williams headed, but he's nowhere right now. They only got five wideouts on their roster now without Jones. They got St. Brown, who's fantastic, but he had two drops in this game. Josh Reynolds is playing well. Khalif Raymond got injured late in that game. I don't know if he plays this week. Williams and Antoine Green, a rookie seventh-round pick. They're thin. Laporta um, didn't play very well. Uh, and Goff, let's look at him real quick. On a very windy day and a really good rush. Is Baltimore really good, Tyler? <laughs> I haven't seen him till this. They look fantastic, but their offense has been a mess, right? I don't know. All right, so Goff, he had, he had pressure all over him, you know. He had no fumbles in the first five games. He's fumbled twice now. He held the ball. Fourth and inches, he threw wild to uh, Jamison Williams for an interception. Just stupid. They're, they're down 38-6 with 3.08 left, and they keep Goff in the game rather than giving Bridgewater a few snaps. I mean, generally, I never criticize coaches for that. 
just play the damn thing out. But in this case, that was absurd because there were people all around Goff's legs and feet. Um, all right, that's it for the Lions. They get drilled. They're talking about putting it in the rearview mirror. Campbell took the blame. He should take the blame. This was an awful performance. And uh, they got an easy schedule. So we'll see. They host the Raiders on Monday night. To answer your question, is Baltimore good? Yeah. And, and you mentioned Lamar Jackson's record against NFC teams. I think it really does speak to the unfamiliarity with his game out of conference because Mike Tomlin, as I've said a few times, I, I spoke to somebody who was close with him. He's not worried about Mark Jackson. I'll tell you that. Like, which, which kind of surprised me at first. Like, there's, there's nothing like it. Like as a defensive mind schematically, he thinks he can get inside of his head and force him to make mistakes. And the numbers bear it out. His numbers against the Steelers are abysmal. Like they just, they have him figured out. And then wow. look at this Detroit defense, which has played great above themselves all year with this new secondary, this path rush. They've got no answer, right? They don't, he escapes the pocket. You know, you've got a linebacker kind of caught in an island. Do I, do I sprint after Lamar Jackson? Do I stay in coverage? He's just playing this, this, this cat and mouse game with these defenders to the point where, let me see if I got his numbers in front of me. He completed 21 of 27 passes for 357 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, 36 rushing yards with the touchdown there early. It was dizzying. He was unstoppable. And Dan Campbell, I thought, was pretty honest after the game and just kind of like saying, obviously, that we got our ass kicked. But also, in so many words, maybe I'm reading into it a little bit. I, I want your perspective on this, Bob. He he kind of said, I just pull it up here. So yeah, like one player basically overwhelmed them. This is this is my words. You know, they didn't they couldn't really match that firepower. The Lions obviously built their team a certain way. And and Campbell kind of alluded to the way they built their team. Quote, we have to go into these games. It takes every one of us to do it right. We have to. That's where we're at. And when we do it, we're pretty good. When we don't, it's hard to overcome some of these things. We're not that type of group. You can say that every week. We have to be disciplined. But with this guy, you better double up because Lamar is an issue. I'm doing my job. I'm handling my job. He breaks contain. He starts going, well, I'm in second contain, and I just love my guy. Because Lamar's out in the open, and then he dumps it over. Man, just do your job. Handle your responsibility. If we're going to play man, handle your man. That's your man. Stay with your man. Don't have bad eyes. Don't look back there. Just cover your man. If he runs in for a touchdown, so be it. That's not your responsibility. And I think it kind of speaks to the whole Lions team, right? If everybody just kind of does their job, they're built so solid with those players that blast through that adversity, with those players who hustle even when they're getting their brains handed to them, as you put. Like, you've got the right kind of player at every position. And when things are firing – they are a Super Bowl contender. But when you play a special transcendent talent of Lamar Jackson, uh, they did beat Patrick Mahomes, but Mahomes also didn't have Kelsey. It was a weird game for Kansas City. But I do wonder, like, do you think that this could be something that holds the Lions back? The fact that they are this powerhouse, solid team, but they don't really have that 
star. Few teams have maybe I don't know five six players like that in the NFL. Is it is the Super Bowl going to be decided by those five or six teams that have a legit star, or can a team built this way find a way to go the distance and win it all? Because that would be the criticism of the Lions that look, Jared Goff did take I... a team to the Super Bowl. Can't forget that. Um, but they're not built around. They don't. They don't orbit around a Lamar Jackson like like the Ravens do. You know the Eagles, Tyler. They got thirteen defensive linemen in their four three defense. Yeah, they got thirteen D linemen. Like that's counting edges too, I guess. But they're in a four three. They got so much depth on the D line. The thing that I saw in this game, Green Bay real or Detroit really needs Houston back, Tyler. The guy you were out in Detroit doing the story with the interview, their pass rush is suspect. Now they've had a they had a couple great games early about two three weeks ago with their rush, but they got Hutchinson. Charles Harris was a healthy inactive in this game. They went with they went with uh, Romeo Aquara and uh, Julian Aquara over him. McNeil. If he's not putting pressure on inside, their rush is limited. And Goff, unless Jamison Williams comes through, their passing attack is a bit limited. They're not going to just light it up with Goff. They got to have David Montgomery. They have weaknesses. I mean, I see the Eagles as just a better team right now. They got two great receivers, you know? Detroit has a great possession receiver. Um, the Eagles look really good, man. So, and the Niners, I'm sure they're going to be back. They didn't have Trent Williams or uh, uh, Samuel didn't play. So that's the Lions. They're five and two, and now their schedule lightens up, so they should be fine. It really lightens up their schedule. All right, look, well, let's talk about the Vikings a little bit, Tyler, okay? Let's do it. Um, you know, I guess like every year, they really have done some great things at home, whether it's the Metrodome or the old Met or um, this U.S. Bank Stadium. And they did it here. You know, it's, it's a loud place. And it was a great performance. I mean, they, they don't have Justin Jefferson. Cousins was just mas- masterly, red hot. Man, he steps up. And when there's minimal pressure, he was deadly in this game. Just putting the ball on guys. Great play action fakes. It was a tour de force by this guy. Um, Hawkinson, man, that's what the Lions thought they had, you know, and this guy was unreal in this game. And Addison, I did not like Addison coming out of Pitt and SC. Um, I thought he was too thin, couldn't get off the jam, but he has become a major threat. He was the 23rd player picked in April. Um 20-yard touchdown on an over route behind Greenlaw, the linebacker. Amazing takeaway from Traverius Ward, 60-yard touchdown. I mean, he's so much better than Watson right now, you know. Uh, got an illegal contact on at the end. I mean, he's a threat. He's a crafty, quick, accelerating guy, and he's got good hands. He's just not very physical, and teams are going to try to knock him around, but the Niners couldn't do it. Um, that little Powell guy, the ex-Ram, speedy, quick, small, but he was solid. 
And then let's go to uh, O'Neal, their uh, the right tackle. Man, he shut down Nick Boza like I haven't seen happen in a long time. Brian O'Neill's been in the league six years now. Former basketball player, I believe, if I remember right. Uh, he had a great game. He's a really good player. They didn't have their left guard. They signed a guy off the street, Dalton Reisner, a couple of weeks ago from Denver. He went in there and he was he was shaky, but he he really fought. Um, and Hargrave didn't kill him inside for uh, <clears throat> uh, for the Niners. Um, what else do I want to say? You know, Bradbury. I know we've ripped him for being uh, being undersized and underpowered the center. That guy can really reach block, Tyler. Guy can be a full gap over to his left or right, and he can he can execute a reach block. He is so quick. He gets killed by straight power. But boy, with quickness, when he can use his quickness, he will win. He's an interesting player. He, he's not all bad at all. You know, they traded for Cam Akers a couple weeks ago, you know. Um, he made two people miss right away. I liked him with the Rams, Tyler. I always liked Akers. He, he had a great screen pass on a great game uh, for a big game. Um, he got a big late first down. He gives them another back with Madison. They ran the ball so well, shockingly, against the Niners. Um, anything you thought about their offense, Tyler, before I just run to their D? They've got a formula. They've got an identity. This offensive line, protect Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins can maneuver in the pocket. There were so many times in this game where he just kind of shimmied around a little pressure, stepped up into a throw. They don't have Justin Jefferson. Right. The release is quick. These receivers are getting open. There's firepower here, man. Like, no Jefferson. When I was out there in training camp, Jordan Addison was actually hurt a couple days I was there. But all anybody was talking about was Jordan Addison in training camp. You know, just chatting with those beat writers that see it every day. Mm. It was, you know, and, and, you know, beat writers by nature are going to be a little skeptical. They said, this guy's legit. It's just natural. Like, just, wow. he doesn't fight the ball. The way he catches it is just so fluid and smooth. Like, he came out of the womb catching the football. Like, we say C.J. Stroud came out of the womb throwing a football. It's just, like, he was born to just be a receiver. So, that was his career game to date. He looked great. K.J. Osborne, who we wrote about, just unbelievable offseason that he's had, right? Saving a dude from a burning car. The, the trip he took to Africa, check that story out if you're a Vikings fan, listening for the first time. That was, he's solid as a number three, could be a number, or I should say as a number two right now. And, and TJ Hawkinson, the highest paid tight end, played like it, right? It's been kind of a rough season for him. That's why they paid him, what you saw. But yeah, they should go for it, right? I think, I don't think it's hyperbolic to say this one game kind of can set a vision for the rest of the season. But if they lose this game, if they lost it, they would have been, what, two and five? Now they're three and four. I don't think you're pawning off the Harrison Smiths and the Daniil Hunters. I think you're you're trying to compete and win. You just took down the team that everybody has penciled into the Super Bowl. Hell yeah, try to win a Super Bowl yourself. What what a what a turning point, potentially, for the Minnesota Vikings, this team that every game is a one-score game, right? It all was last year. It all was this year. They've been in everything. Uh They've got to be pretty optimistic going into Green Bay. Now, everything can change with a loss of Lambeau, I guess, but I think they're feeling pretty damn good about where they are organizationally, especially on offense. But we're going to get into the defense, too, what Brian Flores is doing. 
They looked good. They I, looked I was good. Kind of, identity there. You knew the Vikings. You had been out there, and I was kind of dismissing your somewhat optimistic tone regarding Minnesota. Now I see what you're talking about. Yeah, I do. All right, let's go to the D, Tyler. So they had a graphic on TV, what, that Flores, Minnesota entering the game had blitzed 57% on passes, the highest by any, any NFL team since 06. I'm sure that was Greg Williams in New Orleans at the time. I mean, the big blitzers, Gary, uh, Greg Williams, Jerry Glanville, who else comes to mind as a big blitzer? Obviously, Flores today is in the league of his own. I'm thinking all time. You know, it just pops in my head because I just was talking to his son with the Texans, Bobby Slowick, right? Bob Slowick, the one year he was running the Packers in 04, he was blitzing like crazy. <laughs> he Got did. Him, ended up getting him fired, I think, but he liked to blitz. Yeah. So Flores doesn't care. Is the antithesis of Ed Donatel from last year, you know, who lost his job in Minnesota. So, um, let's Which look at some Bobby, of Bob Sloan replaced Ed Donatel. It all kind of life is a flat circle, isn't it? That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He did. All right, Daniil Hunter. I've never really seen this guy as a great player, Tyler. I, I never have his whole career. I just, wow, I don't know. Really? Um, no. But, but uh, he really played great. I mean, I like Zadaria Smith on that defense, the way he produced last year more than Hunter, but. Hunter was really good in this game. He's playing for an, an extension, and he was really good. You know, the Niners, they lose McGlinchey at right tackle, and they plug in Colton McKivitz, the guy from Pitt, I believe, a fifth-round pick in uh, 2020. I mean, I was waiting for McKivitz to kind of get exposed. It couldn't be that seamless of a transition, and Hunter got after him pretty darn good. So that was interesting. You know, Wanham over on the other side, they lose the Darius. And Wanham has played pretty good. Um, I kind of like Wanham. He, he's worked his way up. What is he in his fourth year, maybe? Wanham is in his fourth year, yeah. Um, you know, Hicks, who's been around the league, were Arizona and the Eagles. Uh, you know, he's not Eric Kendricks, but he's playing pretty decent, T. Let's go look at Dean, Dean Lowry, our old buddy from Green Bay, right? Dean recovered a fumble. Dean chased Brock Purdy out of bounds. He looked like he ran as fast as Purdy to the sideline. He had a really tough hit against the backup left tackle, Jalen Moore, on a third and one. He's second and one. He stopped the play. Hmm. Uh, Lowry's still fine. I don't know if Green Bay misses him, but he's a good player. All right, let's go to the secondary, though. That's all right. Harrison Smith, he's not what he was, but he's still damn good, right? Byron Murphy has been a really good signing from Arizona. Uh, I did not like him missing that tackle against Christian McCaffrey on the 35-yard touchdown on a swing pass. Uh, and he had an illegal contact, but he's covering really well. He's a good player. Um, on the other corner, they drafted that Evans guy who was a stud athlete. Let me get his number. I think he came from Missouri, Tyler. And that was a very interesting pick. He's a fourth-rounder in 2022, 6'2". 201 ran 448 so he's a big guy 27 on the test he's a real athletic guy who was kind of uh, raw but now I think Evans is playing pretty darn good I mean he's he, he's outpaced uh Andrew Booth a second round pick in 2022 
Uh, and Mackay Becton, a third-round pick this year, he's not a bad player. Now the safety, they got Cameron Bynum. He played corner at Cal. He was a fourth-round pick in 2021. He made a great open field tackle on McCaffrey. He got a forced fumble. He fought off a block and forced a fumble. He made an interception off Purdy as a center fielder on a bad throw. And then an interception when he was lurking in zone, showed great hands on that high ball to end the game. Uh, let's look at his numbers. Bynum is six foot, one half inch, 197, ran 454. So he's too slow to play corner. I think they thought him as a nickel, but now he's a starting safety. And Metellus has been a very physical nickelback, dime safety kind of a guy. Their secondary played well in this game. And Lewis Seen from uh, Georgia, the first round pick in 2022, he can't get on the field. He ran 4-3-6, but apparently he's not nearly developed enough. So, yeah, they have holes. They have holes on the defensive front, stop on the run. They're not settled at the other backer next to Hicks. Hicks is getting up there. But their secondary looked good. Um, so, I don't know. How do you see them at Green Bay Sunday, T? I see Minnesota winning. They're hot. I don't – maybe the home cooking changes things, right? It's Lambeau. It's a desperate Packers team. They need a win after losing to the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson, and maybe it just – they can't conjure this energy that we just haven't seen in first halves. But I don't know if they're watching that Packers team against that Denver team and then watching that Vikings team against that 49er team. Kirk Cousins has done this to us before, right? Everybody <laughs> want to believe in him and anoint him a top 10 quarterback as I think Troy Aikman was on the broadcast, right? And then Justin Jefferson's putting the top 10 chain around him. Like this is right when he just gives you the old Lucy with the football, jerks it away and you fall flat on your face and you feel like an idiot because uh, you believe. Well, I believe, Bob, I think the Minnesota Vikings should honestly go for it. I think they should. I think the NFC is so wide open. It's such a long season. A lot of teams don't really know what their identity is on offense, especially Green Bay this Sunday, a team they're playing. The Vikings know what they are. They've got a line that can protect. They've got a quarterback who's going to make the right throws. They've got weapons. You're going to get Jefferson back. And you've got a defensive coordinator and Brian Flores, who, let's face it, as a head coach, wasn't his thing. Right, that it blew up in his face with Tua Tunga Viola. He almost ruined Tua. It was bad, really bad, when Brian Flores was running a team. But as a defensive mind, as a defensive coordinator, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get blitzing and confusion and a confusion and aggression and violence. And they're going to be tough in those meetings after games. They weren't with Ed Donatel. They didn't address the problems like they should have. Harrison Phillips said that. I think that there is a lane here, a realistic lane for the Vikings to sincerely try to win this year, which is crazy. But I think like a win like that does kind of swing it that direction. Now watch, we're going to do this next week and Jordan Love will have thrown for 400 yards against Brian Flores. <laughs> right. One player I want to mention at a premium position at left tackle for the Vikings, <clears throat> Christian Derisaw. First round yeah. pick and three years ago. He's a dancing bear, Tyler. He played really good in this game. Um, 
they got two good tackles. I mean, they're hurting inside, I think. But, all right, I kind of see the Vikings uh, laying an egg here this week, coming off a short week on the on the wet wet turf and all this. Uh, I see Gary hurting them. But, okay, let's look at the Eagles really quick and the Dolphins. I want to make one comment about the Dolphins. Andrew Van Ginkle, the edge guy from Wisconsin, he was a fifth-round pick in 2019. I always liked the guy at Wisconsin, how hard he played. Do you remember this guy? Long not really, hair. no. I mean, I know him now, but not back in his college days. He had a good career there. Um, man, he played good in this game. He slipped the right guard, t- made a tackle at the line of scrimmage, no gain. He chased down Jalen Hurts one time. Wow. He shows toughness. Then when Long got hurt, he goes and goes into stack backer and plays there. He had a knockdown as a stack backer. He's just a hard-charging guy. Um, I would say Wisconsin's defensive players have not exactly fared that well in the NFL, but Van Ginkle certainly has. All right, the Eagles. Man, those defensive linemen. The guy who jumped out was Hassan Reddick, right, who was a stack backer in Arizona. Uh, He was everywhere in this game. He's playing ahead of Brandon Graham now. Tackle for loss, flush, tackle for loss, hurry, shed the tight end, short gain, uh, hit in space and zone coverage. Um, All right, Jalen Carter. I mean, people can go gaga and say he should have been the first pick in the draft. Let's just see if he doesn't self-destruct, okay? We got a long career ahead. He's six, seven games into it. Let's just see. Um, Carter, man, he runs over Isaiah Wynn on a bull rush, leaves Wynn in a heap, Wynn's now on IR with a quad injury. It was brutal power and quickness and explosion. Um, yeah, he played good. They got massive. Which is what you heard. Davis. I mean, the scouts didn't doubt that physical dominance no. that Jalen Carter possesses, right? That was there all along. It was. Uh, yeah. There might have been a few hesitations on the physical talent, but no, that was generally by and large agreed upon. But it was just whether he's going to fall apart. Fame and money will make it even harder on the guy to, you know, be a real pro. We'll see. We'll see. Um, They got defensive linemen up the butt. Um, (laughs) I don't like their, I don't like their inside backers. Uh, Nicobe Dean. He has range and speed, but he doesn't play that much. They have to bring in Nicholas Morrow, the ex-Raider and Baird, to play in the tough stuff. Zach Cunningham can run from Tennessee, but he's never been a take-on guy. I don't love their backers at all. Secondary, big play. Slay played great. Um, Bradbury's fine. Their safeties were all injured. Their safeties aren't really good. Uh, And on offense, they got the two great receivers, don't they, and Brown and – Smith, they got a good tight end in Goddard. Their offensive line is impregnable. Swift, the Lions got rid of him because he was hurt all the time, and rightly so. But the guy's so far, halfway through the season, he's playing great. He's got great feet, made some unreal moves in this game. And Hurts, um, Hurts played good. Yeah, he played a real good game, and he's got the sneak working. So that's it on the Dolphins, T. Or the uh, and the Eagles. Thoughts there, T, on anybody? 
you know, wrote on it Monday morning. I just, I really think it's interesting how it's easy to get caught up into everything that Mike McDaniel is doing schematically, inventing plays, formations, all this window dressing, confusion. It's like watching that game, my mind just went back to what Jeff Stoutland told me back during Super Bowl week in Arizona, their offensive line mastermind, right? He's been there from Chip Kelly to Doug Peterson to Nick Sirianni. He's really the connective tissue to them running the ball so well all these years with, with Jason Kelsey, you know, in the middle of it all, of course. But he always uses that Bruce Lee quote, right? That you don't, you don't fear somebody who can kick 10,000 times, you know, that can, can, can do 10,000 kicks. You fear somebody who can do one kick 10,000 times, like perfect one thing again and again and again and again. There's a ruthless ruthlessness to that simplicity when you can really perfect it you see it on the tush push and i'd love your opinion on that play it's divided the nation you know unlike anything <laughs> people love it people hate it most people hate it i think i don't have a problem with it look as nick sirianni said if it was automatic everybody would be doing it everybody would be successful these other teams try and fail they can't do it like the eagles can but whether it's that, whether it's just force feeding AJ Brown, like they know what they are, what they want to do, and they get it done. Like it's different than Mike McDaniel, the Dolphins, uh, but it's just as effective offensively. What are your thoughts on the old uh, brotherly shove? Tyler, I hate all pushing of ball carriers. You know, this this pushing running backs kind of came in maybe ten years ago. 12 years ago, it used to be illegal, didn't it? I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't like it, man. I just don't like it. Um, get with the plays there and use your legs and all that, but don't help with people pushing. It's just unsightly, and I think it kind of um, cheapens the game. <laughs> <laughs> you don't find a skill in the play, the fact that Jason Kelsey has to get low. I mean, you look at Miami, they're jamming three 300 pound dudes right around the ball. I mean, you're talking Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, big, big dudes. And Jason Kelsey at center can get so low. He's the fulcrum. He cuts it down. Jalen Hurts, who squatted, what, 600 pounds back in college. He's a strong, strong quarterback, lower body. Yeah, a little push from behind, right? I I hated it at first, and now I kind of like it. I kind of like it because <laughs> everybody knows what's coming, and nobody can stop it. And that's a beautiful thing. It's like the old Lombardi sweep probably back in the day, right? You know what's coming. You ain't going to stop it. Everybody out there complaining about it. And Mike McDaniel said it himself back at the Combine when he was asked about the tush push. He's like, man, he goes, I, I love the fact that Everybody knows what's coming and nobody can stop it. Forget football. That's sports. There's something cool about that. So, yeah, I like it. Keep it going. So, and look, All some right, quarterbacks geez. hate quarterback sneaks, right? They don't even want to touch yeah. them. Aaron Rodgers didn't like sneaks. They run any, barely any. I think it says a Did lot about sneak much? quarterback being, a, being a, one of the guys. Oh, I love right, quarterback you, sneaks back in the day. Oh, yeah. So did I. We called it pig pile. Right hand. 
right hand against an even front, uh, pound the center up above the butt, and just go, man. Sometimes you get three, four yards, and that's in the mid mid to late 60s, you know, and it was just prehistoric offense anyway. That was a pretty good game, pretty easy yardage, Tyler. You know, there were our, – our big rival was uh, was Randolph. You know, we were Ellicottville, and we, d- we would do this against him. Like, when we wanted to set a tone, like, first drive of the game, we would just do three pig piles, quarterback sneaks, right in a row, <laughs> just to send a message. Like, <laughs> it, it is football to me. I don't think it cheapens the game. I think it is the game in its essence. Well, they weren't pushing you from yeah. behind, Tyler. They weren't yeah, pushing but- me from behind. We got it on our own leg drive. Maybe that's yeah. Maybe maybe that's the differentiator. It's legal and nobody can stop it. So power to them. All right. Uh, anything more on that game, or do you want to jump to your uh, McGinn memory here? Let's do the memory. Let's do so it. Tyler on Saturday. I mean, I'm watching uh, college football for the draft series, taking notes, looking ahead, right. So I watched the Penn State-Ohio State game. And on the Penn State sidelines, of course, is James Franklin. And every time I see James, I remember my relationship with him in 2005 when he was the Green Bay Packers wide receiver coach. He was in the NFL for only that one year. And let's look at James Franklin in Green Bay, okay? Um, Ted Thompson, at the end of the 04 season, yeah, Ted Thompson stripped. He kept Mike Sherman as coach, but Bob Harlan stripped him of the GM duties and hired Ted Thompson as GM to be Mike's boss. And Mike never recovered from that. He was just so pissed. And eventually Thompson fired him a year later after a 4-12 and season. So at about that same time, after Sherman was, oh, he was entering the final year of his contract, he was a lame duck as well as coach, Four coaches departed Green Bay in January and February. Johnny Rowland, running backs, went to New Orleans. Bob Slowick Den- went to Denver as DB. Ray Sherman, wide receivers, went to Tennessee. And the D-line coach, Jethro Franklin, I think he went to UCLA maybe, but I'm not sure of that. So they were jumping ship. And Jeff Jagosinski had been fired by um, by Sherman as – tight end coach about a year later and Rob Reichel of our journal Sentinel staff uh, saw Jagosinski. He was um, Falcons offensive line coach at the time. And Jagosinski said, coaching's fun again. And at the end, it wasn't in green Bay and in Atlanta, your opinion matters. And the thing is, nobody's afraid to make a suggestion in green Bay. A lot of guys are bite their tongues on a lot of things. Why do you think those guys left? It wasn't a go to a better team. It's because in Green Bay, Green Bay, your ideas don't get listened to. So then Sherman, Ray Sherman, was a beloved guy. I mean, Driver, Ferguson, Javon Walker, they all swore by Ray Sherman. He's a great man. He was a father figure and a hell of a coach. He was in the league for like 30 years. Well, when he left, um, Uh, That was a shocker, and he would never go on the record with me, Ray, but he was unhappy with the situation in Green Bay. And Reichel got a hold of uh, Johnny Rowland after he departed at the Combine, and Rowland said, 
I think what Jag said is definitely fair. And it's evidenced by the number of coaches that have exited over the last couple of years. The head coach thought he was the only one with any brains. There was a lot of collective knowledge in the people that have left the organization. And that knowledge wasn't listened to. So Green Bay needed some coaches. And we're speaking now about the wide receiver job. So they offered the job to Daryl Wyatt from Oklahoma. And he turned him down college coach who had never been in the NFL turned down Green Bay, Brett Favre. That was a shocker. So then they interviewed two other guys, Daryl Hazel of Ohio State and James Franklin of Maryland. And Franklin got the job. Um, He was 33 years old, four years older than what John Gruden was when Mike Holmgren promoted him to coach wide receivers in 93. Um, He told the Washington Times, I just like an opportunity to become a head coach someday. And this is another step in the right direction. And then uh, I pointed out there was only two wide receiver coaches in the NFL with no previous pro experience. Mike Sherman was grasping for bodies at this point. He truly was. He's a lame duck. You know, they had nothing going on. Now they're coming off a of playoff season, however. Um, he was the first wide receiver coach in Green Bay to take the job without NFL uh, coaching experience since Lindy and Fonnie hired Buddy Geis in 88. And uh, the, he'd been five years at Maryland. Terps were 41-20 and 20 under Ralph Fregion and when Franklin was on that staff. Um, he, was, he played quarterback at East Stroudsburg in PA. That's Division Two, Tyler, East Stroudsburg. <laughs> Not there. familiar. And then he coached. I mean, this guy really worked his way up. He coached at, after college, he coached at Cutstown, went back to East Stroudsburg, coached at James Madison, Washington State, Idaho State, then Maryland. So he was really on, and he's 33 years old, gets hired by Green Bay. All right, Green Bay had a horrible year. Look what happened to his core. Javon Walker, the star of the operation, tore an ACL in the first game that James Franklin coaches regular season. Murphy, remember that Murphy, a second round? Terrence pick? Murphy, yeah. Bruce Spinal Cord in the fifth game. End of career. Robert Ferguson, sprain, sprain lateral collateral ligament. Missed a bunch of games. Team goes four and 12. Um, Favre's passer rating is worst in Green Bay, 70.9. Donald Driver had a great year. The other one was Antonio Chapman was the other starter. Ferguson came back and played. And Andre Thurman. Those are names back from your childhood, Tyler. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So before the season, I interviewed interviewed Franklin a lot. Guys were available, you know. And... uh, He said, before the season, he says, I don't need to come in and try to reinvent the wheel because they've been very, very successful here. I think from top to bottom, we have a very, very good receiving unit. Anybody anybody would be excited to have the top three. So, but then they all went down. And uh, I never, Tyler, did I ever think James Franklin would be a head coach at, you know, an elite program like this? No. I mean, no. But 
but you don't know, you know, these assistant coaches, you just don't know. All right. How has he done at Penn state? Well, by the way, the Packers finished 18th in yards that year with a four and 12 campaign seventh in passing driver was terrific. So now he, he, then he coaches after green Bay, never went back to the NFL coached at Kansas state as a QB back to Maryland, assistant head coach, head coach at Vanderbilt for three years and had two nine and four seasons when the Nittany, Nittany Lions signed him. He's 84 and 37, six, nine, four winning percentage. He's had four 11 win seasons. He's won the, he's one and one in the Rose bowl. He's four and four in bowl games. But as the Penn state people would know, he's one and nine against the Buckeyes. He's three and six against Michigan. And he's three and 16 against AP top 10 teams. So, and he just lost a critical game at Ohio state. So I'm sure he's under heat. Um, the heat's not as bad there as it is at Ohio state, but the heat's going to get a little hot. He's got to beat Michigan in a couple of weeks uh, in, um, in happy Valley. So James Franklin, one year in green Bay. I'm glad I got to meet him. He's an interesting guy and more power to him. That's it. T. You do wonder, like, what characteristic, what trait does a coach possess in that moment in time? Because, you know, you go 4-12, and 12, your team's a mess. You know, you're just trying to find a job after everybody's canned. Like, what, what's he thinking at that point to, to get to the point where he is now head coach of, a, you know, one of the premier universities? Yeah. You know, nothing really popped to you, though. You, you, you couldn't really tell then, like, this guy has no. got this it factor to him. He was ambitious. I could tell that. But, you know, I talked to Driver about him several times. And I just, I don't want to say, I cannot remember what Driver told me. I know I, I would always talk to veteran players about their position coaches. Just to kind of feel them out a little bit. So I had an idea. And I can't remember what Donald said. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, well, it was a pretty bad loss. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. It's, it's, there's, there are two different worlds too. college football and the NFL. We could spend another two hours uh, dissecting that all, but this was great. Bob, always great. Uh, recapping, reliving, dissecting all these games. And uh, thank you to everybody out there for putting up with us and listening. This Thanks, is guys. the time Bob pod with Bob McGinn. Thank you so much for listening, for subscribing. We will uh, be back next week.